0: Are you ready to get into the Word today? Say yes, if you are. Yes. We're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 10, and then also I'll be over in 1 Corinthians 12. So if you want to mark that in your Bible, if you have your Bibles with you, if not, your mobile device, or we'll have the words on the screen. Um, always encourage people, carry your Bible, bring it with you, make notes in it, get a notebook, you do whatever you need to do to, to, to make this work, because we're in a series called The Edge. Say it with me the edge. We, we, we just believe this, that God has given. There's too many times I see the body of Christ in a big scale way, just kind of acting just like the world. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like the same problems the world has. Many times I see it in the church and I just feel like that ought not be so. Doesn't mean that we're perfect. Doesn't mean that we're goody two shoes or holier than now but that we're entering into a place, into a, a, a new elevation of living where low living is, we're done with that, and we want to we fly it and soar at a higher altitude with the Lord. And so in doing that and understanding that, um, it's important you understand the, the working and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is for you and points us to Jesus. How many know that? Say yes. In fact, if you know Jesus today, if you know Jesus in fact, we're going to read a passage in Scripture. If you know Jesus, Holy Spirit's already in your life. You can't even know Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we put him way over here, and we don't talk about him, and we, work, we, we kind of attribute what he does to a group of fanatical people over there and radical and extreme. Throughout the history of the church, there's always been mystics, and so the mystics, they're over there, and we're over here, and Holy Spirit's for them but not for us. Well, he's in your life. He's in your life. And, and there's, there's just this huge um, variation of extremes in the body of Christ that sometimes makes it difficult to function. And maybe you don't see them all the time, maybe because of what I do, and because we're not trying to be a certain ABC brand church. We're not trying to pick one of the 31 flavors and say, okay, we're that flavor, right? we're, we're the, we're the uh, black walnut at Baskin-Robbins flavor, right? We're not, we're not trying to be the pistachio whatever. We're, Jesus is our brand. Are you with me? We don't, we don't need another label to put on us. And I'm not saying that the denominations are, are bad. I'm just saying that, that I, I, I kind of line up with the New Testament. If it's in the New Testament, I'm down with it. Anybody with me? We were singing about it earlier. In fact, I think that if you read the Bible and didn't know anything, if they gave you a New Testament and you read it and you read the Bible and you didn't know anything else about theology or doctrine, or you'd, you'd read that and you'd think, wow, God does incredible things. He transforms lives. Jesus healed people on earth. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He heals people now. We see his ministry on earth. We see the book of Acts and the ministry. We see the letters that, that were written to the churches that existed in that time period. And there's all kinds of supernatural things that are happening. By the way, write this down so you don't forget it. Our God is supernatural. He's not a natural God. He's supernatural. He's other than this world. This world is his creation. He's bigger than this world. And I don't think that God would set us up. So we read about all these incredible things happening, and then he says, okay, that was just for them. It's not for you. Fake out. You don't get it. Just them. 21st century, you kind of try to do it on your own, see what happens. Here's, 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 here's the, the huge extremes that sometimes, because if, if, we're, if we're over here in this extreme, okay, that's easy. We know what we can do and what we can't. We just, or if we're over in that extreme, Right over in this extreme, we don't see any kind of spiritual gifts. There's nothing for today, and over here it's we're at the carnival. Anybody with me? And so, anytime you try to walk in center, the radical middle, it's it's sometimes difficult, and sometimes you get over here a little bit, sometimes you go over there a little bit, and you pull back, right? Not because not because we should be. Center and everything. Some things you should be extreme about. Your passion for Jesus should be extreme. Should be extreme. So I'll, I'll I'll illustrate it like this. If you've been around me, you know me, so you know who I am. I've been I've been pastor here for fourteen years. Thank you for the cards, and and the gifts. Uh, appreciate those. Fourteen years pastor here. So if you've been here for a while, you know me. So so I'll I'll say it this. I'll give you a story. I preached at a church. I don't know three or four times. Inner, inner City. Invited, good relationship. Every time I've been there to preach, um, there's been, it's been a fruitful time. Good group of people. Pastor, love him. Uh, delivered what God would give me. Not, not a leftover that I had. Fresh manna for them. Studied, prayed, God, what do you want for this night at this place? A few years ago, I'm talking to him on the phone. Hey, could you come and do this night? No, there's a scheduling conflict. But you know, there's so-and-so and so-and-so. And he said, well, I really can't have them because they're Pentecostals. And they'll try to get everybody speaking in tongues if they come. Again, I'm pretty much not an Episcopalian. there's nothing, nothing, anything wrong with it, okay? I've been there three or four times. Again, I'm New Testament. It's where I'm going to land. I've been there three or four times. I didn't try to do that, for sure. Then let me give you the other, other scenario. I'm, I've got a young guy in the church Never took a drink in high school of alcohol. Went through college, no problem. Becomes an engineer. He's working under stress, pressure. Starts drinking at night. Gets to the place that that he's kind of a functional alcoholic except then it starts to, to interfere with his work a little bit. Some people he didn't know anybody knew. Some people that knew about it has an intervention with him. They get him in a rehab place. It's good, starts going to AA, and nothing wrong with any of this. This is all good stuff. If you're going to AA and it's helping you, I encourage you, stay there. But for this guy, we prayed over him. He got set free from alcohol, alcohol addiction. Not the only guy we've ever prayed for that we've seen this happen. I've witnessed this happen. I've seen people leave their drugs, give me, give me the stuff they had. to discard. Like I'm hoping I don't get caught. Like I'm trying to get rid of this stuff, right? <laughs> I'm trying to discard this stuff appropriately. I've been there. Been there when the guy comes in, he owes $6,000 to drug dealers and he gives his life to Jesus. Now he doesn't know what to do. And he stays in my house for, for a time period. so he can, and, he, and he goes through all the hard times of trying to break free. And so this individual, young guy, he comes to me one Sunday during an altar time, a ministry time at the end. He said, Pastor, I've been going to AA and it's so depressing because all they do is keep talking about the addiction they have and how they're still this. And I believe God set me free. And I feel like that I don't need to go to that atmosphere. And I said, You do as the Lord leads you. We'll keep you accountable. And let's step it, you step into this. And, and he did, and just continued to flourish and grow. Got married, had children, dug into the word. Then he got listening to some people. He comes to me one day, he wants to meet, and he opens his Bible. He says, Pastor, you believe the gifts of the Spirit work today. And I don't believe that. Now, this is the same guy the Holy Spirit set free from alcohol addiction. And he got all confused and sideways, sideways and said, I can't come to church here anymore because I don't agree with that. I just said, showed, shared those stories. I could share many to show you the, the, the crazy, radical ways that we start viewing what God says and where we get when we lean into just doctrines of men. The church is filled with ideologies that men have developed. And by the way, once you start developing one of those, every scripture that you can find, you tag to it. And you create this silo. And then the only people you hang out with are the the only people, that, the same people that see it the way you do. And you get in your camp, and they're in their camp, and you throw stones every once in a while, and you're, and you're divided. That wasn't God's idea for the body of Christ. Right? Let's, let's walk through this together. Let's understand it together, and there's going to be tough times when we read something and we scratch our head i've done it, look at my head, you can tell I scratched it, and we wonder and we dig deeper and we and we and we talk about it and we and we discuss it and we dialogue about it, and we grow together that's what should happen that's what should happen and so we're in this series, the edge, setting you up because I already know that sometimes we get over here or over there, and we can't see it quite clearly. And what I want to do during this time is just dig in, take off all the lenses that we might try to see it through, and see it through what God says. Anybody with me say yes. It's going to be quite the journey. Quite the journey. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus had more joy than any other person that walked the earth. I believe that. That's, you could say, Pastor, that's your opinion. I'm okay with you saying that. Um, and I, now I read about him. I, I see him, and I, and I believe he has all this joy. And I believe that that um, most joyful person, a man of joy, we we can we can see that in scripture, a man of joy. Because in in John fifteen eleven, he said, "These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy may remain, and that your joy may be full." John seventeen thirteen, he said that they may uh, that that you would have joy, and that you would be be fulfilled yourselves that, that this joy is going to be real. That he had enough joy that he could just give it to people. Sometimes we don't have extra joy. Anybody with me? He had all this joy. But in scripture, there's not a whole lot of places that I see where it says Jesus was joyful. And there's definitely one, and maybe you'll find another or two, but, but I only know about the one. It's in Luke 10, and I'll set it up because Jesus has just done this. He sent out 70 of his disciples now he sent out 12. This is a different time. These are, these are other than the 12. He sent out 70, two by two. Sent them out into the cities where he's going to go, ahead of him. And he says this, go and bring peace into the places you go. He said, if there's any sick in the home, he, heal them and then uh, uh, tell them that the kingdom of God is coming near them. Speak peace. So he gives them instructions about what to take with them, what to do, what not to do. Gives them instructions and he sends them out. And then they return. And they come back with this big report, and they're excited. They're excited because they, they didn't realize that he, even uh, the King James, I think, says spirits. Some of your Bibles will say devils. But they, they didn't realize that they were going to be subject to, their, to, 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 to them, that they could go in, and, and they're going to they're gonna have victory. Now, when he sent the 12 out there, you'll remember, many of you that know the Bible, some of you can read this, but earlier in Luke, that the 12 went out, and, and a father came and said, hey, your disciples prayed for my son, he's got this trouble, this troubling thing that's happening to him, and but they couldn't, they couldn't get this remedied. But now the seven year come back and say, hey, we're we're pumped, we're excited, we've seen healings, we've seen God working. We've seen people that didn't have peace, that were hurt and broken. Now God now God's working in their lives and, and they're just they're excited. And Jesus brings a, uh, a, as we do, he brings some balance to it. He says, Now, now wait a minute. That's my paraphrasal. He said, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning flashing from the east to the west. Don't rejoice about these things. Rejoice that your name, get excited about your name is in the book of life. I mean, no, that's, that's great importance right there. Right? Don't, don't get all caught, caught up. That's a word to, to the extremes in the church world today. Don't get caught up in just the gift. Realize that your relationship is with the giver of the gift right, that the relationship is with God. And then, and then he goes into this, this prayer, and we'll read in, in Luke 10, in verse 21, it says, In that hour Jesus rejoiced, here it is, he had joy in the Spirit, and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes, even so, Father, For so so it seemed good in your sight, all things, not some, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son. And the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him, then he turned to his disciples. This is a moment right here. If you're one of them, you're sitting there. Jesus is just, he's filled with joy. I kind of picture a smile. Right? I, maybe, I know we don't ever hardly imagine Jesus smiling. He smiled. He, he, he dealt with everything you dealt with in life, right? He knew the emotions, the passions. Smile. Maybe even some laughter. That's even harder for you to get to the laughing Jesus. But maybe even some laughter there. He turns to the disciples and he said to them privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it." I got a feeling that in that moment, to hear Jesus say that, to see Jesus and His response, to be there in this in this setting, to hear Him speak to the Lord about them, to His Father, and then to speak to them about what is going on here. It's got to be a fulfilling place. And in fact, Jesus said, you know, there's kings, there's nobles, there's people throughout, throughout the history of the world that have desired this, to see what you've seen, to hear what you've heard. And he, and he likens them to children, babes, and how God is giving this to them, but not only giving this to them. you realize they were activated in kingdom ministry? that when they went out, the report is when they come back, that they've been activated in kingdom ministry and seeing people healed and seeing lives changed. And they come back with this report and Jesus is filled with joy in the spirit. He begins to talk to his father about it. And then he just speaks this to them about, about what a great thing this is. And, and, And I think about how because here's what you need to understand, and we'll talk about it during this season of, of, of The Edge in this series, that there is a spiritual gift in your life. At least one according to Scripture, and we'll, and we'll look at it again in this series. There's at least one in your life. Holy Spirit is with you. There's a gift of the Spirit in your life. How, can you imagine how much joy that Jesus gets when we're activated as a body? In America, the church, around the world, globally, the church, activated in the gift that God has placed in our life. And, and I think about how, how odd and weird it would be that if I came over to your house today, and we had and you invited me over to lunch, I, I got a big day, so I probably can't come, but let's pretend. I was going to a conference and people was asking me to do this and this. I said yes and yes and yes. And so I'm doing ministry all day. It's a great thing. I said, I'll change my shoes at some point. (laughs) But but can you imagine I was over at your house and I come in and there's a big Christmas tree. Somebody said Christmas in July. We're coming through the pandemic. We're still celebrating Christmas. People told me they were putting up trees last year this time. Anyways, and underneath it there's all these packages that are wrapped real pretty and red and white and green and silver with bells on them and and snowflakes on them and fictitious type of people on them, and they're all under there and I say to you, "Hey, what's that?" You say, "Oh those are gifts that I was given for Christmas, but you never unwrapped them, you never picked them up, they're still there you know some." You know, somebody bought you, Dad, somebody bought you a really cool-looking polka dot tie that's under there. There's a new pair of socks that haven't been worn. It's wrapped up under that tree. I'm hitting some people right now. Mom, there's one of those fry air pop things under the tree that you could have been making all kinds of nutritious, healthy stuff in. And it's still under there. And the use, the purpose of that gift has not been enjoyed, it's not, it's not been realized, because you left it wrapped up, looking pretty sitting there. Now, I want to tell you, that's a picture of a whole lot of the body of Christ, that God has given gifts to us. And they sit uncovered, unwrapped, right? Their the wrapping's not been taken off, they've not been put to use they're just, and there's whole denominations that talk a lot about this, but they're filled with people who just sit in their pews and talk about gifts of the Spirit. And talk about how powerful this can be, and it's never activated. So I just want you to know that this is a season for us to grow in this area, for us to really talk about it, for us to dig deep into it, for you to, for you to start researching and finding out, what does this mean for my life? So we're going to pick it up in 1 Corinthians 12, and, and we'll spend some time in 1 Corinthians 12 during this time. In fact, it's important you understand this city, Paul's writing a letter, so most of you will know there's four Gospels in the New Testament. That's that's the story, story the, record, the narrative of the life of Jesus from four different views. Some synoptic would be the same view, but John being a little different, but... Four different individuals. The book of Acts being the historical, the living historical document of the, the early days of the church. And then you have letters that are sent to churches that have been established all over all over the, the place where the apostles were going. The apostle Paul, spending a lot of time doing, doing mission work, and so he's established a lot of churches. He's went to areas where there were synagogues because Jews had been dispersed. He shows up as a rabbi. They let him come in and speak, and he tells them about Jesus. He shares the good news. Sometimes it goes well. Other times, let's stone this guy, right? It didn't always go well for him. He shows up at Mars Hill, and there the, the idol, the, the, the statue for the unknown God is. He declares to them who the unknown God is and preaches the gospel to them. And so here Paul is writing a letter to one of the churches that he's been a part of establishing. He's the apostolic father of this church. So he writes a letter. And a lot of it has to do with correction. So you, you see Corinth, let me tell you about the city. The city is, you know, I, I try to liken it to a city that, that would make sense. You almost could say any major city, but, but maybe to, to give a little more Rio de Janeiro when they have the carnival there. Uh, New Orleans, when they have Mardi Gras, Las Ve- it's, it's like a Las Vegas a little bit, right, they would have thought whatever happens in Corinth stays in Corinth, right, that would have maybe been the slogan, maybe Vegas stole it from them, I don't know, I'm just saying, it was sin city, if, if, if you're looking to sin, Corinth is, it, it's there, and so Paul has established, been there helping with his church, and, and, and now there's criticism coming from religious people, mainly the Jews that are in the city. In fact in 1st Corinthians 11 one of the criticisms is that that women, women who had been prostitutes, women who had been pagans, they're coming and they're giving their life to Jesus and in giving their life to Jesus, they don't come in with a veil on. They don't have they don't have the religious history of that when you go in put a veil on your head ladies, cover your head is what 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 they would have. And so people are the religious crowds pointing fingers, hey your women don't have their heads covered. And Paul says, well, don't you know that their hair is a natural covering? And then he goes on and, and gives some, some some word for that there in 1 Corinthians 11. And then he said, but if anyone's contentious, we don't have that custom in the church of God. Okay, we don't have the women covering their head, so it's not a big deal if their hair's short or if, or if it's long or however they come, they come. And the reason they can pick because these people didn't know anything about God. And, and we'll see this when we read this text here. And I wanted to kind of set this up because he says this in verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles. That's a nice way of saying pagans. In fact, some of your versions say pagans. Pagans is a nicer way of saying I- idolaters, your idol worshippers. Carried away to these dumb idols, however, you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of God calls Jesus accursed and no one can say that Jesus is lord except by the holy spirit there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit there are differences of act, of, of ministries but the same lord there's uh, differences or diversities of activities but it is the same god who works all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So Paul's laying out, he'll spend about a third, nearly a third of this letter speaking about spiritual gifts and how they work in the church. And some folks would argue and say, well, I don't think spiritual gifts are for today. And I would just say, here's about a third of, of the epistle to the Corinth, first Corinthians that deal with this subject and how it works in the church. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, right, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in all righteousness. So I can't just pick and choose and say, well, that didn't fit with the way I see things, so I'm just going to push it over here and it doesn't matter. No, it matters. It's good for you and I. Anybody with me? Yeah. And so Paul opens this up and he says, now concerning spiritual gifts. He gives this portion of Scripture to this, and, and, and some scholars would say, and I agree that he's, this is a topical heading. Because we, we see in, in 1 Corinthians 7.1, he says, now concerning, he talks about marriage. In uh, 1 Corinthians 7.25, he says, now concerning, he talks about virgins. In 1 Corinthians 8 and 1, he opens up, now uh, concerning, he speaks about, about idolatry and offering meat that's offered to idols. He spends time on that. And then here we have, now concerning spiritual gifts, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, uh, verse 2, verse 1 or 2, he says, now concerning the collection of saints. And, and those are all seemingly in that letter, topical headings. He's addressing some of the problems they've experienced. And, and this is one of the areas of difficulty, spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are important because without them, there's an efficacy that we don't reach in the body of Christ that we could experience. They really are the edge for you and I, right? That, that when you can pray for someone and you don't know about the situation, some of you have had this happen, and you begin to pray and you pray in ways for their situation that you didn't know, that's the Holy Spirit working. You may think, well, I was just guessing. When you pray for someone and you're praying with wisdom, or you're giving wisdom and counsel to someone that that wasn't necessarily because of your gray hair, wasn't natural wisdom, but supernaturally downloaded from heaven. That's the Holy Spirit working. And I say I say this, I'll say it, I've said it from almost day one here at here at the church that that we need to seek for manifestation without weirdness. It almost sounds like an oxymoron, but. God's spirit can be manifested. It doesn't mean it won't stretch you. doesn't mean it won't challenge you at times. But without, you know, because some of you may come from a background where the, people got to get glazy-eyed and come to you in King James English and, and forcefully push something on you. I would just say, step back a minute. Don't let the vessel turn people away because the Holy Spirit's not going to turn people away from God. He's drawing people to God. Right? That's why we have Steps today. Uh, It's a next step for people to connect at Elevation Church right after this service. They still got a few spots open. Uh, Maybe we feed you lunch, take care of your kids. But in Steps, one of the things we do in there is a spiritual gift assessment. Help you to discover what is the spiritual gift or spiritual gifts in your life that God's placed there. And I'm surprised sometimes at how accurate it, it, it is and doesn't it mean it's always going to be right. Sometimes God has already, I believe this God's already spoken to you about that area. This is only confirmation. Sometimes someone will, will see something in you. I remember one time when I was a young pastor, uh, some of you know jo- Josh Palmer. Pastor Josh has preached here. He was sitting up on the front row in the corner. I think that's why he's doing what he's doing now, because of where he was sitting. He was always on the front row. And we had a guest. Yes, speaker. And the guest speaker said, There's a call on your life. And I thought, Well, yeah. It was recognizable is what I'm saying. It was easily recognized. And that's just a confirmation. Somebody tells you it's not it shouldn't be new news to you. A gifts assessment shouldn't be new news to you. But but it should be confirming what it is that God's doing. And so we help people in steps discover your spiritual gift. Now I'm a, only two points today. Only two. I know you're gonna think it's not a sermon with not at least three, but only two points. Only two. And they're going to be quick and we're going to move, because I want to allow some time for prayer. And, and, and so, but I want to introduce you to a word to make sure we, we get this word, and we grasp um, the, the broadness of this term before we jump into these two points. And it's the word fully, F-U-L-L-Y. Fully. Fully, fully is, a, is an all-encompassing. And, and the best definition I've got, I could have gave you Webster's or something, but the best definition I feel like I've got is, is E-Kids because my granddaughter, Lucia, when she was about to turn three, she, her motivation to work on the whole potty training thing was that in E-Kids to go from, we have nursery, then we kids, then E-Kids, to move out of the nursery where you can wear diapers and just kind of set in your stuff and all that was you got to get potty trained to go in there, right, and, and so my little granddaughter, she said, she's like two years and 11 months and, you know, 15 days and 29 days, and she was telling me every time I see her, she calls me GT, GT, I'm fully potty trained, now I can go and eat kids. I mean, it's a big deal for her. She worked on it, worked on it, fully potty trained, and what they meant, what they mean by that in eat kids is, I want to help you explain the word fully. What they mean is that when a kid goes from, the child goes from the nursery into there, they want them fully potty trained. Now, if you've had a problem with your child, I don't know about it or anything, I, I'm just basing this on, on what I know in my experience, so that when you go in there, you don't still have to wear the diaper, right? That that you can go, like you know when you have to go, so it's not like you go in there and every other week, you're having problems and they got to f- figure out what to do about your diaper, that, that when you, you go in there that you know when you have to go you know what to do when you have to go and you do it and you go in there and you know not not that you don't need you know the child doesn't need help but they can kind of do it on their own and they come back out they know how to wash their hands it's a good part of being fully potty trained i appreciate it when little kids can wash their hands wash your hands, and they come out, and they did all that. They're fully potty trained. I want you to embrace that word fully. means nothing missing, that it includes all. And so I believe this about spiritual gifts from what the Apostle Paul tells us here is that he wants us to be fully educated when it comes to spiritual gifts, not ignorant. Ignorant is the idea that it could be this, that I'm ignoring. It's a big chunk of the body of Christ that just kind of ignores them. For thirty years, you'll never hear anybody address spiritual gifts. Never talk about them. People set in their seats. They'll have a gift in their life. They'll it'll be dormant or undeveloped or underdeveloped, and they'll set and they'll never develop that gift or never see it come to the, the uh, effectiveness and function like it could because it's never ever mentioned. It's kind of we'll ignore that because it could get messy. That's what pastoring's about, by the way. Pastoring is that it gets messy and sometimes you have to kind of work through the mess. Not that we ignore it and never let anybody arise to their potential. And then you have the other, the other aspect of it, misinformed. In fact, some of your Bible versions would have said, the Apostle Paul saying, I don't want you misinformed about this. Misinformed is the idea that, that you got wrong information. Not that there's not enough information. Not that God has not talked about it and given us enough about it. But somehow you just got misinformed. And there's a whole lot of that in the body of Christ where we heard it, heard something, or we, or we saw something that caused us to say, Ugh, I don't want that. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people perish, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. There's an importance in the body of Christ of not just trying to bumble your way through and you got Jesus and you can sing some of the songs, and, and, but, but you've not dug in to find out. What God's saying for you. Second Timothy two fifteen says, Study to show yourself approved unto God. And so instead of here's what they've done, instead of turning and learning from God, they've they've learned from their pagan roots. Because they understood some kind of supernatural thing could happen. They 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 made they made idols out of natural elements and they prayed to them and Paul says that you were Gentiles, pagans, led by dumb idols. We don't use that word much anymore for non-speaking. We, we, we've, it's changed. Nowadays it means dumb as in you don't know much, right? Or you're just unlearned or whatever. But when this was written and given to us in English, it meant dumb as in one who couldn't speak. And so these idols didn't speak. They prayed to them. They gave offerings to them. They did certain acts but there was nothing that came from them. And Paul's saying, this is where you come from, and so you're basing your understanding of the Holy Spirit working today on, on your past and what you've seen. You've got to be re-educated, and that's what he'll do over the next uh, three chap- two and a half, three chapters, is educate them on the gifts of the Spirit. It's important that you and I are fully educated on what God is doing through the Holy Spirit in our life and that we've embraced that. That means this, that, that you've got to dig in, right? Spiritual gifts, you've got to know Jesus as your personal Savior, Holy Spirit comes and dwells your life. And then you can't read the Bible without seeing people go into new levels in, in the Spirit of God. Everybody wasn't on the same level as Moses book of Numbers, Moses looks at the people. He said, I wish, that, I wish that they all could have the same spirit that's on me. And God does that, right? He gives the Holy Spirit. Because Moses was at a, as, a, as, a, as the lawgiver, as a prophet, as a leader of these millions of Hebrews, Moses was definitely on a different level when it came to the Spirit of God than many of the people. You and I have access today. So we come to Christ, not just forgiveness, Repentance before forgiveness. We don't use that word enough today. Everybody shout repentance. Yeah. Repentance. We receive God's forgiveness. We start a new life in Him, letting Jesus be Lord. And then there's levels of the Holy Spirit where we say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5:18 gives us in the Greek it's continual actions, not one and done. So don't be drink drunk on wine wherein is excess but be filled, continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's in your personal prayer time, going before God, saying, God, I need you to fill me today. If you ever do ministry, if you allow the, the spiritual gift God's placed in your life to be used, you're going to need to be refilled again and again to the point of overflow. I want enough of the Holy Spirit in me that it spills out. Anybody with me? That people see the love and the joy and the peace that God's put in your life. That's undeniable. He says, and no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And so he's saying this that they knew about. They had a you know Mars, the god of war, or Aphrodite or Venus, the god of of uh, sex and love and romance. They had gods and goddesses for all the areas of of life. And he said, listen, there's only one God, one Lord, one Spirit. It's it's not like that. You could, and, and, and that's been carried on into a certain part of the church world. Someone called me a few years ago, and they came to Jesus and serving Jesus. I never said anything to him about this. Never said anything. I didn't even know about Joseph. He called me one day, he said, "Hey, I buried Joseph in my front yard to sell my house." He said, and "I just realized Saint Joseph didn't sell my house. Jesus did." I said, "Yes, right." All these patron saints that we go to, let's not get this wrong. There's one Lord, one God, one spirit. And, and so, so Paul begins to give them this information because what they had learned was that it's this God, this goddess, this God, this goddess, titans, and all these. No, wait a minute, there's one. And, and you're not going to get something supernatural from God that comes from someone that curses Jesus. That's why I tell people. I told them the first service. I said, "I don't, I don't read hor- horoscopes," and I'd say, "Don't read a horoscope, hey pastor. It's just something in the. I don't know where you get them at. The people don't take the paper, do they? It's a strange thing to think that if Mars and Jupiter lines up, that that's going to be something about your future. I'm just telling you, that's a strange thing. I just move it out of your life. It's odd to me that you think that's real. Or people go into a séance sitting around a table, burning candles, and somebody says, Uncle Ned, says he remembers that red sweater you gave him in 1973 for Christmas, and you're over there sobbing and crying, oh, Uncle Ned speaking back to me, and the little dog, Fido, oh, and it sounds all accurate, sounds just like it is. There's a thing the Bible calls familiar spirits, and a familiar spirit is, is a spirit that was familiar with that person. And yes, it may be real, but if I was you, I would get out of that room right now and never go. I would never sit down at a table for somebody to conjure up some dead spirit to try to give me some information. Right? That's, that's, not, that's not the Holy Spirit working. There is a supernatural element. Don't get that wrong. Reading tarot cards, trying to discern your... Palm reading... If you're going to pay somebody to read your palm, come here, let me look at your hand. I'll pray over you and we we'll see what God says. We'll put the offer the money in the offering. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, don't go to those sources. God will speak to you today through his word. He'll speak to you by the Holy Spirit. Don't get caught up in people that don't acknowledge Jesus trying to, to conjure up some spirits from somewhere or or even your frenemies. You know what a frenemy is your friend enemy a friend that you think you're your your friend, but you you go, don't go to work and you're having a problem in your marriage and spill all your guts out to people who don't know Jesus and let them give you some weird advice that's going to wreck your marriage. Go to God. Go to His Word. Get around God's people. Let them speak into your life. Experts, gurus, I mean, I just tell you over the last year and a half or whatever it's been, I've heard enough from the experts. The experts said, don't do this, now do it, now don't do it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The gurus who know all the stuff that I don't know. You can't even listen to the weather and get a right report. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Holy Spirit gives us the edge because he produces produces fruit in our life and he gives us gifts, each one of us, each one of us. He doesn't make a sharp distinction between the gifts and the services and the empowerments. He just says, hey, these things happen. God provides these. The Holy Spirit provides these, and they're for you. Second point, fully activated. Not that you go to steps and you find out, oh, I've got the gift of hospitality. That's good to know. I felt kind of like I had that, and then you never serve, you never do anything with it. I'm thankful Elevation Church, I haven't looked at the numbers in a while, we need to look at it. About half of the people, pre-COVID, pre-COVID over half of the people at Elevation Church served at least one time a month in the ministry here, isn't that great? Yeah, so here's what you don't know, I can tell by your response, it's okay, you probably don't know this. that for. The majority of churches in America, about 20% of the people to 80% of the work. That in many of them, only 10% of the people are serving in any capacity. When you say that we're half of our attendance is serving somewhere in a ministry, that's huge. That's activation of the gifts that's in your life. And so when you go through steps and you find out, well, I got this gift, well, that's good to know. Feel good about yourself. It's putting that to use is where the rubber meets the road. Paul says this in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The efficacy of the body of Christ at Elevation Church or any body or any uh, gathering or assembly of believers is going to come when we step into a place of activation, the spiritual gift in our life. But what keeps us from doing that, from the gifts of the Spirit being activated in our life? I think so many times fear, fear. By the way, fear isn't a spiritual gift. Spirit didn't come from God is what the Word says. Now I'm not talking about normal caution we have about things like, you know, there's a group of of, uh, hell's angels sitting at the stoplight and you're behind them and they don't take off as soon as it turns green. Don't honk at them, right? That's That's just some good godly discernment, right? Right? So I'm not talking about having some, having some understanding that right, you don't put your finger in the light socket, those kind of things, right? Some that's common sense. I'm talking about the idea that, that fear that you would ever be able to step into place and see what God has placed in your life come to a place of, of being activated. God didn't give you that. Something else has happened to cause you to be fearful about that, but it's not him. Doctrines of men. You learned something, heard something years ago in your development as a Christian, and now you just been hesitant because maybe you don't know if the gifts of spirit are real, or if everybody has one, or if you're and you just kind of hesitate and you just stay there in that place of undeveloped, underdeveloped dormancy, dorm, being dormant. And I just say that that you can't allow that to keep you from stepping into the place of seeing that come to realization in your life. And the and the other one is control. Everybody say control. That's a big one right there. That's a big one because, you know, the Bible says this, and we'll see it in the series, that the Spirit is subject to the prophet. We understand Holy Spirit's not going to push you into something. He's not going to take you someplace where where you feel like, oh, I never want to go to that place, and I'm scared and I'm frightened. I just step back. When I was growing up, they always said the Holy Spirit was a gentleman. I like that, right? But it doesn't mean this, that you always put up your guard and never allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. You say, Pastor what do you mean by work? I mean the spiritual gift that God's placed in your life that you never allow that to be developed. You never allow it to be activated in your life because you've got to be in control. Let me give you another word. Surrender. Everybody say surrender. Moving into the things of God, always take surrender. Again, doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's pushing you off of a cliff. It means this that I surrender to God's will. I sur- it happens when we surrender to, to Jesus as Lord, and we surrender to the Father, His will, as we surrender to the Holy Spirit and Him leading and guiding us into all truth, is what the Word says. And the truth is that there's a gift in your life, and it needs to be developed and activated so that you can accomplish what it is that God has you on this planet for. He didn't give you a spiritual gift so that you could show it off. He gave you a spiritual gift so that it could be put to use to impact somebody else. There's been a lot of damage done because spiritual gifts have been pushed up onto a stage, and they've been shown off uh, and connected to just a man. That's the wrong way to do it. Every one of us have a spiritual gift At least one, at least one.